delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on my podcast house.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on board. Big show coming your way in just a tick. First of all, we're going to have a chat to young gun Tom Sargent. He had a fantastic weekend in his Porsche up at Sydney Motorsport Park on the weekend. Reigning Formula Ford champion and also Bathurst six-hour winner. We'll also have a chat to Josh Bucken who had a win in the TCR cars on the weekend City Motorsport Park, more importantly, the first night race on Saturday for TCR. All that to come, Mark Walker, Richard Crowell, to sum up what has been a massive weekend of motorsport, not just here in Australia, but right around the world. Let's get straight into it. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. As we say, good day to Richard Crowell, as we always do off the top of the program from the racetalk.com. Hello, Crowley. Mr. Shebeki, nice to be with you. Uh, big weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park for the Shannon's Nationals or Championships and Speed Series. Really enjoyable. We'll debrief all of that a bit later on. Looking forward to it. But there were some um, drivers who made a mark, Shebeks. I'm giving you a nice segue here to introduce yeah, our first guest because uh, in Porsche, Michelin Sprint Challenge especially, there was some unbelievably good racing. There certainly was. And today we're going to sort of dub, I suppose, the first part of our program, our young guns. Mm. We've got a couple of really good young up-and-coming drivers to have a chat to us. And first of all, we'll have a chat to a man who won the Formula 4 Championship last year in 2021. And gee, as I tell you what, it's been a great 12 months for him. Not only did he win that, also had a win of the Bathurst Six Hour. Uh, some fantastic driving over the weekend, as you said, in the Porsche Michelin, Michelin Sprint Challenge. Thomas Sargent's his name, and he joins us on the line now. G'day, Tom. Hey, guys. How are you? Oh, we're fantastic, mate. Thank you for joining us. Uh, first of all, we catch you uh, up in Brisbane, or it was at uh, QR yesterday. I think you might have been at DJI headquarters. Today, we have spent a couple of days with the team doing a bit of testing and just doing a bit of learning. How's that all going for you? Oh, that was an, an incredible couple of days up here. The uh, uh, team DJI have been nothing more than nice to me and inviting so it's been awesome to be up here and, and kind of see how they run and get you know get in and amongst the team and how a professional rec team works it's been an awesome opportunity so you're out at qr mate tell us what went on out there and and how the day was um i actually spent almost two days out there i spent monday out there and and to, uh, most of today so it was very good uh, monday we um had got kind of fancy laps, which was awesome. Uh, weather was a bit tr- troubling uh, there for a little bit with a little bit of rain, but uh, it mostly held off, so it was pretty good. But uh, we had a, a couple of um, young people like myself out there testing the Shell V-Power Mustang, so um, got to return a few laps and uh, got you know, got to get involved with the team on how on how they go about it. Uh, talk to the engineers and and their current drivers at the moment to try and um, improve on on myself out there. And, and what was that experience jumping into a supercar like, mate? I think I think I'm definitely very spoiled with my first ever uh, supercar <laughs> supercar experience being in a, in a Shelby Power Mustang. So it was an awesome experience. The cars are, are very well built. You can see why they do the, the times they do now. Um, they behave really well, and everything about it was was awesome. Um, the car was you know, for, for my brief few laps was um, definitely felt to be set up quite well and, and everything about it was just really nice and uh, well built. So it was an awesome experience. Um, 
definitely, definitely, like I said, very spoiled. Of course, this is the uh, part of the prize that Tom won last year. Crowley is part of his Formula One, a uh, Formula One, Formula Ford Championship uh, here at, in Australia, and uh, we do congratulate and thank DJR for allowing us to do this, and we'll be doing it again this year with the Formula. Ford winner. Mate, in regards to jumping into the car, I mean, of course, you're driving a Porsche on the weekend. You've uh, been driving a few different things this year. Was it an easy car to step into and, and just basically grab a hold of straight away? Um, interesting enough, I, I kind of leaned towards that a little bit. It was very, definitely after spending three days in the Porsche on the weekend, you definitely, at least you're up to speed when you get into a, a car that's very, very similar speed. So, it did make that transition a little bit easier, I think. That you know, the overall principles on, on how to drive them were, were very similar, but now the supercar's definitely got a, a few different traits to the Porsche. Like it's definitely got a lot more feeling in the front end, a lot more turn being front engine. Um, it doesn't put power down as well as the Porsche due to a little a rear tire, but overall it was an awesome car and it definitely was not not as big of a transition as I thought. But that might have been yeah helped by my. My, my three days I did in the Porsche and the day before. So, Alex Davison, Will Davison, Tony Dalberto, and Anton De Pasquale were all there driving as well. You mentioned the word speed. Give us the uh, word, mate. How did you go up against those guys when it came to times? <laughs> um, yeah, like you mentioned, they were all there. Um, they didn't end up cutting laps yesterday. They they cancelled their their official test due to the weather. So um, Anton. Anton jumped in for a couple of laps before me and, and turned a tire, uh, turned, turned a few laps. So I ended up, I think he was just over a second off him in the end. There, he granted he only did three or four laps, but um, yeah, I was pretty pretty pleased with that in the end on on how we went. Yeah, that's that's not bad. Anton's pretty experienced now and a, a proven race winner. So yeah, really impressive stuff, mate. That's that's awesome. Must be a, a cool experience. I, I want to work through the year so far and build up to last weekend because there's a bit to unpick there. But we haven't spoken to you on air since the Bathurst Six Hour, and that was a remarkable weekend for yourself and Cameron. Um, we had Cam on the show with his heroic final stint but you got lumped with the task mate of starting the car from 472nd position right at the back next to the mount panorama <laughs> resort um did, what's your recall of that opening stint of that race as you carved your way through that field uh it was definitely an experience and a half i remember turning up to the weekend and i'd done a, i'd done two six hours before in an 86 and i remember mm. i remember missing I, I did i started one of those events and i remember the start I never saw the start. Like I was still up at the chase when it happened. And I was like, you know, this, this is the year I'm actually going to see the start mm. and bugging me. I never saw it still, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, <laughs> but that's all right. I'll maybe one day I'll get to see the start, but um, no, it definitely made for a very cool fairy tale. Um, the race. So that first thing was, it was, you know, as much as there was a lot of people out there, a lot of people to pass, everyone was very good about it. They kind of, you know, when you, when you flashed them, they, they, they were very, careful that you were around there and trying to move forward. So everyone was, you know, gave you their space. There was a couple of times there were people didn't see you. So you had to be, you know, a little bit careful and have a little bit of reserve there. So uh, it, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. There was, you know, there wasn't too much pressure because I kind of knew come come the first safety car, we would we would catch back up to the field. So there wasn't any need to, to do anything kind of silly and, and, out, and outlandish there. So I just, yeah, just picked away at it and, and just, kept, just kept making passes where I could and, and you yeah, know, 
it was very hard to overtake at the top. So yeah, I utilized the BMW straight line speed really there and, and tried to get them all in the straights in the braking area. But ultimately, my first stint was, was definitely a very good experience and something I'm going to remember for a long time. Most people will tell you the better you prepare for something, the better you go. Preparation is key. In this case, though, preparation was nil, effectively, wasn't it? You got the car last minute. <laughs> Even the overtaking move was basically on the last few laps. Everything was just so last minute, to the extent that it probably nearly didn't happen for you guys. Yeah, you're 100% right there. We... Um... <laughs> We had the car for, I think it was only 10 months before the event. And because we were the first to build an M2, we were, we were pioneering the way. So we had to, we had to make all the rules, I suppose you could say for it, um, get the recognition documents done. So it took us a little bit longer than, and what it would take to do it now. So, and we had to design the roll cage and do all that. So everything was very last minute. And like I said, we, a week before the event, the thing wouldn't start. So we overhauled it up to, to Berwick Linton's place in the Gold Coast here and, um, and, and he spent two days on it. He he fitted the steering wheel to it because it didn't have a steering wheel. He he got it running and and, and gave took us to a place where we could at least give it a wheel. I'm going to make sure that all the wheels are pointing in the same direction. So, um, yeah, huge huge thanks to to Beric. You know, without him, we weren't going to be there. But um, yeah, every even at the track on on Thursday night, we were still prepping the car, finishing the fuel tank. So it was very last minute, and uh, it would have been nice to have a little bit more testing beforehand. But um. That's just the way it worked out. And, and like you said, the, the, whole, the whole meeting was a little bit um, last minute for us. I do think if we had a little bit more time, we probably would have been a bit more on top of the, you know, some, you know, the issue we had with, obviously, the ride height and qualifying. But, um, yeah, those things happen, and we're definitely glad it happened on Saturday, not, not Sunday. And just tell us about that experience of standing on top of the Bathurst podium for an outright win, because you were a class winner there in the the Toyota the year before, but so early in your career to to lift the big trophy and stand on top of that very famous podium at Mount Panorama, hopefully not for the last time in your career. Yeah, it was, it was very, very special. Ever since I was a kid, you watch Bathurst and you watch you stand up on that podium there and you think, wow, that's that's pretty cool. That's something you you want to achieve. And, and to be able to do that, like you said, I did it once, but to be able to get up there and actually spray the champagne this time and, you know, Look around at the people that were standing next to me. Um, you know, Tim Slade and Nick Perk had obviously been supercar drivers standing next to me on the podium, and, and Cameron it was very surreal and cool experience to be up there and and, and to be the youngest ever outright winner at Bathurst Six Hours. And Krause, he could have had a win on the weekend <laughs> in Porsche Michelin Sprint, but she was at uh, last turn. Oh, wow. Well, second for the round, which is not a bad thing because it's it, Sprint Challenge this year is Carrera Cup light. It is properly intense yeah. and competitive. But, yeah, you, you had a really strong weekend, Tom. Uh, you had your pockets picked a little bit there in that second race on Saturday by uh, young Ryan Wood, the, the young Kiwi who's very fast, and, and it all shapes up for you two to have a, an amazing title battle this year. But um sunday was great obviously you got a win but saturday oh, oh so close there right at the very end yeah saturday um didn't quite go to plan for me in race two there obviously race one couldn't quite match ryan he was um he was super super quick in race one so he came back um tuned me up actually car was good just mm. needed to change my driving a little bit and you know, i had found a lot more speed there in race two to kind of battle with him so now he probably still has the edge on me there in race two a little bit but um, you know, obviously led the whole race and then last lap, last corner, got all that traffic and, and you know, ducked when I should have weed sort of thing. So, you know, probably, you know, in hindsight, um, definitely could have done that better. But um, 
it's just one of those things I, I learned from that. And, you know, it definitely does hurt, obviously, because it did, it did, you know, ultimately cost a, a round win. But like I said, P2 was for the round is still awesome and, and they definitely come back out with a lot more fight on, on Saturday on Sunday, sorry. And um I think that was proven when I took the win in the in the final race on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Did did you stay flat when you took to the grass to avoid Nathan Murray who was in front of you or was there a bit of a lift there? <laughs> <laughs> um no I I definitely was flat when I entered the grass and then I, I kinda almost sprayed it and I was like, ah, no, this is not worth it. I'll um, I'll roll out of this and pull back on. So I for a minute there, I was trying to be the, trying to be the hero on the grass, but um, no, I definitely thought better of that very quickly. Yeah, seconds much better than the grandstand. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it was heading, <laughs> <best>. <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Thomas, just before we let you go, too, we, we should mention that you're still very much a part of Formula Ford with the work that you do with Cameron Hill uh, CHE and uh, a part of working with the the young kids and she uh, was young. Uh, James Physic uh, could be a good steerer as well. No, I'm very, very fortunate to be able to be so heavily involved with the team at the moment and, and helping these younger drivers come through. So obviously I did it last year, so it's still relatively fresh for me and it's all the same. So it's awesome to be able to help out, help those guys out where I can and give them you know the little tips and tricks I learned along the way to help them. So you know, we've got three or oh, four, sorry, awesome young drivers uh, in the team, three competing in nationals. So, James obviously did really well um, last weekend, and he's very quick. He's still he's still extremely young. I think even makes me look old. I think, but um, <laughs> yeah, he he'll he do really well. And I think this yeah that incentive from from DJR with this test day as well has been really awesome for that category. I know I know talking to our drivers, they're they're super keen about that as well. Uh, they're uh, something that they're definitely pushing hard to get. But um, no, it'll be definitely going to be very tight this year. We've got a, a awesome bunch of young. Formula Ford guys and yeah I'm awesome to be able to help out in the category as well the category means so much to me and I'm a really big believer that it's an awesome you know junior development category to to go in and help you forge your path in motorsport and the great thing for James Crosley is it's uh, Thomas's car from last year so we know it's a good car got pedigree yeah, yeah exactly. in the same way he's, yeah. he's, he's jumped into the career cup winner from last year so no very good Mate, well yeah. done. Um, loved, loved seeing your race on the weekend. I think Sprint Challenge this year is going to be an awesome battle. Yourself and Ryan and Courtney Prince, another Formula Ford graduate, was fast um, by the end of the weekend as well. So it's shaping up to be a, yeah. a really good fight and, and can't wait to follow your progress this season. No, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's good to, to uh, be, be racing some really top-level guys. And, um, yeah, hopefully tomorrow's day at Phillip Island goes well and we can um, hopefully get a bit of an edge over them at Phillip Island. Good on you, Thomas. Thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Nice. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Thomas Sargent joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, Krause, keeping with our Young Gun theme, uh, as I tell you what, this guy did pretty well on Saturday night, winning the first ever uh, TCM race uh, at Underlights, which was fantastic. TCR, even. Yeah, TCR, you're right. I say TCM. Sorry, you TCR. didn't say TCM. TCM were Underlights. They were spectacular too, Shebex. But... Gee, she's a competitive old championship uh, super cheap auto TCR this year, and our next guest is right at the very front of the battle and looking forward to a, a chat. Tony, when you introduce him. Josh Bucken joins us for that chat today. Josh, how are you? Hello, gents. I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for having me uh, on this lovely chat. Oh, we appreciate it, mate. Thank you for joining us. Uh, take us through the experience of uh, not only one, driving under lights at Sydney Motorsport Park, but two, winning a race. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was good. Driving uh, at any time and winning always makes whatever the conditions are feel much nicer than what they were. Uh, so for it being a little bit cold and chilly uh, in Sydney that night, uh, winning and throwing a bit of champagne over the suit and ruining it for the next day was well <laughs> worth it. So, um, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, you know, it was a good day, probably my strongest day in TCR, to be fair, with a, with a pole and a win. So, um, yeah, great day in sport. Really good day in sport. Mate, TCR is properly competitive this year. There's 100 points covering 11 drivers in the championship. Crazy. So, you know, you could go from leading the thing to being P6 in one weekend. You're right in the mix. You're, you're in the top three in the championship. So just sum up the series for us so far for you and how competitive you're finding it behind the wheel of your uh, HMO Customer Racing i30. Yeah, it's outrageous at the moment. It really is. I mean, I led the championship out of round one and then at the end of round two, I was in 11th. So yeah. uh, that kind of sums it up. Um, it's it's amazing. It's full of just absolute killers up and down the grid. It really is. There's really no one who doesn't belong there. Uh, and there are some, you know, properly good operators, both who were sort of undiscovered talents and who were already existing talents. Uh, and it's great because... You know, now we're a couple of years in and particularly two years back to back. There's a lot of people on the grid. We all know how most of us drive now. We all sort of have a good respect for each other, uh, most of us. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's becoming, you know, a real tight-knit category along with the fact that when you put the helmet on, you know that <laughs> you're going to have to work for your money. So it makes it exciting. I honestly, when I say it before every weekend, I, I know you hear it a million times. It's the cliche. I have no idea what's going to happen each weekend. I, <laughs> I, I figured going to Sydney, we'd do well, but I figured that at Phillip Island and we got pumped. So mm. um, yeah, the, the, the narrative is always a fresh one each weekend in, in TCR. We were talking to uh, Thomas Sargent just before and momentum seems to be the thing with him uh, having won, of course, the Formula Ford Championship last year, winning at Bathurst 12 hour, had a fantastic weekend with a win. Uh, at City Motorsport Park on the weekend. How important is momentum in your game? Uh, I, I think I think momentum in TCR is tough. It's it's easy to get a roll on on a weekend, but it's so easy to fall off it too. One, one sort of bad result can, you know, really turn that around. So uh, it's just a case of consolidating every race and treating it like a whole new event. It really is. I mean, my, my first race over the weekend was a win. My second race was a 12th. And I kind of knew going into that, it was going to be tough just based on our tyre strategy. So, um, you know, to back it up with uh, second coming from a few spots back in race three, um, you could. it's fair to say I might not have had momentum for that third mm. race. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. But, um, look, when, when you do get a couple of results in, the, in a row or a couple of good rounds, you can really feel a boost with, with the whole team. And I guess they're the ones who feel it the most, the team, the guys on the tools. Once you start going well, they lift. And when they lift, the environment, when you come back into the lane, uh, is exceptionally different uh, when you're going well. So it's probably where I notice it the most, if I'm being honest. Mm. And momentum's one thing, but consistency's another. And it yeah. seems like that's something very difficult to find, especially when you've got to deal with things like a reverse top 10 race, but you look at the standings, the only two guys in front of you in the championship at the moment, Dalberto and O'Keefe, haven't won a race. So we're yeah. four rounds in and they're winless, but they just keep accumulating thirds, fourths, fifths. So how do you engineer that consistency in while you're still trying to go out and 
extract the kind of performance you need to race at the front of such a competitive field. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, Tony's been just welded to fifth, hasn't he? I yeah. mean, he's allergic to winning at the moment. Um, <laughs> and he hates that too, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know, and I remind him every time Good. I see him. Um, we're great mates, so I can say that. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, Tony has just stayed out of trouble. I mean, that third race in Sydney, I think he ran 16th or something, 17th. And his wheel was about, his, his tyre was about to fall off the rim and he still got it to the finish line. That's the sort of stuff that will win you a series. Whereas, um, like, we had one bad round based off a strategy error that we made and we just bled points. If it wasn't for that Phillip Island round, I, I'd, I'd be in a position much off into the distance. But I think at the end of the year, everyone's going to have a story, maybe two. Mm. So... Uh, you know, without wanting my competitors to blow up on the grid before every race, which I'd probably, I'd take, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are going to be a lot more twists and turns through the year, not, not just what we've seen so far. And um, yeah, we'll need a bit more uh, paper in the scrapbook for the highlights, I'm sure. You're right, mate. Everyone does has a sto- have a story and yours is quite interesting. The fact that you didn't start motor racing until you're quite late at 16 years of mm. age. Most kids get in at eight or nine in the go-karts. You were 16. Why the yep. late start and why motorsport at that uh, age? The late start was dollars and cents. <laughs> yeah. And, and why motorsport? Well, I mean, uh, my dad used to rally back in his younger days. Uh, nothing outrageous, but um, drove some cool cars and he was a car nut. Uh, when I was younger, he sold cars. Um, really cool to Japanese imports in the early 2000s and, you know, Holden's at the at the peak of the scafe era, if you like. So that's sort of VT, VX, um, and then sort of Japanese imports of Skyline Supras in those days. That was my introduction to cars and, you know, they were fast back then and mm. my dad had no issue in breaking road rules and um, <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a lovely time and I just enjoyed going fast. So what it was was I just – at one stage wanted to do it for myself and that was, you know, to go and get a go-kart. So um, I saved up for quite a while to, to do that. And once I did, I realized, oh, I came pretty quick. And the racing thing was just go and compete against other guys to show them I was better than them. I didn't really care for racing. I just wanted to show other people I was fast. And that's all I ever wanted from it was just to be sort of acknowledged to someone fast and, um, you know, if you had another hour and a half, I'd explain how I got to where I am now. But that's kind of the premise of it was just the, the love of driving. And it still is. I still love driving. I don't really care what it is. Wheelbarrows, F1 cars, <laughs> every, anything in between. What What's the goal? What What's the direction you want to go? I mean, is TCR it? Are you happy here? Or do you have sights set on supercars? Or do you have sights set overseas? It's a very good question. And it's, it is a tough one as well. I mean, as I mentioned before it's a dollars and cents thing as well i am very happy where i am i'm on an an excellent deal um in a great environment with a fantastic group you know between hyundai hmo um which is you know effectively barry morkham and um Mm. you know rob benson running the show um you know I, I, I love where I am and I, I'll stay there for as long as they'll have me. I'd love to do a bit of stuff in GT, some endurance stuff and, you know, just bits and pieces here and there where I can. Uh, I'd never say no to driving a supercar, but I, I think it's quite unrealistic based off at the moment, the investment that you need to make over a several year period in super two, super three to even get a look in. Sure. Um, 
particularly when I'm at a category where I think, you know, it's being treated as not a rival, but a, a, a sort of top level category as well. So if I can establish myself even more in TCR and, you know, keep plugging away there, if there are opportunities overseas to do something uh, in the category, I'd love to do that and just test myself against the guys who are considered the best, because I think, our talent pool out here, although it might be a bit smaller, is certainly not uh, any less competitive or filled with as much, uh, any less quality, I should say. For sure. And you're a bit of an open wheeler man too, aren't you? You spent a couple of years in Formula 4 oh, and yeah. Formula 3? Yeah, that's right. So my break in cars was through Listec Race Cars, Paul Liston uh, in Wetherill Park, which is actually where I'm uh, driving through right now in the passenger seat, of course. Um so, yeah, I was doing karting and kind of didn't really have much of a direction. And then a guy in a team we were racing with just basically said, oh, here's a number, give Paul a ring, you know, he, he, he'll he give you a run in his car. And I just thought, no, he won't. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> exist. Like, Formula Ford's 60 grand a year, a test day's a couple of grand a year. And um uh, a test day is a few thousand dollars. So I thought that's rubbish. I'm not going to do that. And I remember how funny is this? I remember having my phone in my hand in front of me with Paul's number and I was looking at it and I thought, I'm not going to bother ringing it. And then I just, something told me just, uh, just, just push the number. So I rang the number and sure enough, I, I did a test and then I spent probably yeah, three years or so, uh, two or three years racing their cars. And I still, do stuff in their cars now. I mean, I, I drive all their sort of resto projects, old Lotus Formula Fords and, nice. you know, Formula 5000s and, you know, they've got some Formula 3000s that they're doing. Mm. Um, and then the Formula 3 thing was similar. I was at a wedding and met Errol Gilmore, the late Errol Gilmore, and that was in the January and all of a sudden at February we're at Winton. So it's it's been, it's been very, very uh, surreal. This is every chance we could see you at uh, winter later in the year for the Formula Festival. Festival of all there the is Formula a chance. cars. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. There is a chance. I, I might be there in an old Maddich 5000, John Goss, the 76 oh, uh, Australian Grand Prix car. So, yeah, I know, mate, I'm telling you, yeah, I've, been, I've been <laughs> held off. I've been held off by COVID twice for that car, so mm. um, potentially this will this will be it. So m- maybe, maybe. Well, there's a, a couple of things to take out of that. One, I I did speak. I know the late Errol Gilmore, who was a great human being from 2004 when when Chris was first in Formula Three, and he had raps on you. Yep. And if you get raps from Errol Gilmore, that's a massive tick because he called <laughs> a spade a spade. And he was a lovely, lovely bloke, um, and sorely missed. And two. Uh, I think we need to see you as part of the new Netflix series Drive for P25 starring young Will Liston, uh, which was coined at the uh, supercar <laughs> round when he rolled out in the Formula 4 last so year. And uh, poor old Will, every time he said uh, the camera cut to him, and they did give him an onboard, he was fired off the road. But outside of that, <laughs> he was brilliant. But um, no, the Listons are a great family, great racing family. So that's a, a cool background to have. Hey, mate, my last question for you is I would like you to please describe the opening laps of a TCR race. Because if someone tells me the one bit you must watch at a TCR round, it's the start to the end of lap one or two, because they are the most intense couple of minutes of touring car racing you will ever see. There's so much going on as you guys hang on to these cars, they're side by side, clearly no rear tyre grip. What's it like? Because it's pretty wild to watch. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, it for for anyone who's raced in the past or done go karts or whatever, the closest thing I'd attest to it is kind of rolling out the gate at Lithgow in a on a one or two degree morning um, and trying to get around the first corner. It's kind of just like the nose will turn. You got no problem with that, but you you just have no idea what the back's going to do until the first time you add steering lock. So mm. um, I remember going into lead at, at turn one in, in Sydney over the weekend and looking at the first turn, I was kind of narrow, just being defensive and thinking, Oh, I've got to hold this flat. I've turned it in. It's just snapped on me straight away. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, <laughs> it's not flat. And it's just chaos. It really is because sometimes your car's hooked up and you know, you're on a charge and then two guys in front of you are, you know, battling to blink and breathe. So it's it's really odd because the tire strategy as well you, you never know who's on good tires who's on bad tires so it is basically just it it's funny i tell the team don't talk to me on the first two laps let the dust settle uh because it's just absolutely wild and totally open for interpretation uh and you can you can really make or break a race and Josh. a week all in two corners yeah. <laughs> It's wild. It's all yeah, it is. Sorry, mate. We just lost you there for a second, but I think we've got you back now, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Uh, getting a win in any category is special. Converting a pole into a win is even more so, and you did that on the weekend. Well done, and uh, good luck for the remainder of the TCR season. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, yes, I'll do my best. Josh Bucker joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, joining us to cover off what was a massive weekend, uh, probably the biggest weekend in motor racing, I think, the weekend we just had. Mark Walker, g'day to you. Hello, Tony Shebecki. I saw an awful lot of Nürburgring, which was good, mm. in between bits. And uh, as we record this on Tuesday night, the NASCAR race just finished. So, uh, <laughs> five minutes ago. <laughs> five minutes ago. <laughs> That was insane. We will talk about that, I'm sure, a little Mm. bit later on. But boy, oh, boy. Hey, let's kick it off with uh, locally. And that was a big weekend, some fantastic racing at Sydney Motorsport Park. Yeah, it was. You know, we were, we were piecing the power rankings together on the race talk, and it's pretty hard to find some knots out of that because <laughs> it was very, very good. How do you rank the hot zone? Because oh. every category legitimately had very good racing. Like, they did. The yeah. whole and, thing was entertaining. And even look, even the stuff that wasn't aired on Stan Sport was very good the radicals the two 40 minute races they had 50 minutes and they can often be a little bit tedious uh but they were both really good car races as well prototypes were the same so uh, it was a tremendous weekend um i'm not quite sure where to start from a, a recap point of view but i think just following on from having josh bucken on the show and doesn't that young bloke speak really really well but can't he half drive he's an exciting talent uh, I love the fact that he's made TCR his home. That's that's where he wants to be. He's happy to be there. But it is a cracking championship. It, it feels like TCR's finally come of age. It's a year where it's now properly legitimate part of the national motor racing scene. It, it's gone from being a curio, something new, something fresh, something a little bit different that people went, oh, yeah, this is okay, to being a properly competitive really hard to win national motor racing championship and you look at the championship order i mean tony d'alberto 412 points down to 10th place ben barguana on 329 so it's 85 points covering the top 10 drivers in the championship Crazy. 
it, it is just outrageously competitive. And to string together one good weekend is very difficult, as Josh found out. So I, I rate it. It's such a cool championship this year. And as we finished on with Josh, Mark, we asked him about the opening laps. And uh, he said it's like driving on ice. And it really is. But they are the most frenetic opening laps in Australian motorsport at the moment. Well, back in the old super touring days, they used to give them two warm-up laps, didn't they? Just yeah. to try and avert a bit of that uh, silliness that. at the start. But like you say, it's a destination category now, isn't it? It's mm. uh, forging its own path there. It's not all bankrolled by the category owners anymore. It's it's teams out there legitimately wanting to be involved with it. And yeah, the product was pretty spicy on the weekend. But it's the big names that, you know, you've got your Fabian Coulthard, James Moffat's um, of the world, Michael Caruso, who are your sort of star power that are able to draw people in, but they had shockers, like for various mm-hmm. reasons, not necessarily of their own doing. Um, Will Brown. Will Brown, yeah. oh, he was sort of up and down. Yeah. Like when, yeah. when he was going, he was going well. Um, but it's a spot where a Jordan Cox or a Josh Bucken can make a name for themselves. Mm, certainly mm. is. We should clarify too that we're talking about ice racing as similar as in Finland, not actually being on metamphetamines because that's totally illegal and we wouldn't. <laughs> I, I thought that at all. ice racing would be a thing in Melbourne tonight. Actually, there's Shebex. It's about three <laughs> degrees here. <laughs> it could be, Mark. You might be right. Well, I think you're spot on, Crosby. I think the, the closest of the championship, show me a championship anywhere in the world where you've got 85 points separating 10 blokes and you've got a good championship. It, well, it, it is. And it's the fact that the next race meeting, the balance of performance might swing completely the other way and mm. some other mark is going to go up there and be able to dominate. Well, we spoke about that, didn't we, with Josh and the, and the fact of how hard it was to get that momentum going in in the series. Yeah, and and even on the weekend, like the, the Hyundais were very strong. The Peugeots weren't as dominant as they have been, at, for instance, at Mount Panorama. Those things were rocket ships up there. So, yeah, the, the BOP definitely plays a role. But just to further on that point about having the established stars in there and, and having others come in and knock them off, I love that. I, I love that for Josh Buck and Jordan Cox. I mean, he's a hero to many. And the Jordan Cox Supporters Club were out there on the weekend. <laughs> how, how much beer did they, are, how they, much beer they get into it? All they it? drank a lot of beer. <laughs> they drank a lot of beer, uh, most of it up in the ARDC garage by pit exit. Uh, but then they migrated. I don't know. TV showed it a couple of times. They migrated to the exit of turn two. And there's, it was like a Valentino Rossi grandstand at a MotoGP race with all the yellow, except it was all coxy white. Was it the I same mob, that, was it the same like mob that came to Phillip Island? Yep. Yep. Wow. Same group of people, just larger because it's his home turf. Yeah. Dead <laughs> set. But that is the best possible thing for that series is to have guys like Jordan come in and establish a fan base. And, yeah, he brings a turnkey fan base because he's a freak of motor racing. But um, I love that. I, I think that's part of the appeal. Mm. I love the fact that Tony D'Alberto hasn't won a bloody race yet. He'll hate it. But yeah. the fact he's leading the championship and has gone winless, I think that's cool because it shows that the experienced drivers can use that consistency. You know, the Honda's not the fastest car, I don't think, in TCR, but it's there or thereabouts. And Tony is using it very well and four rounds in, leads the championship and is doing a really nice job of it. Um, sort of to round out the guests from tonight, I think an absolute highlight for mine were those Porsche Sprint, Porsche Sprint Challenge races. They were crackers, yeah. especially that finisher race too. I mean, when you've got a drag race to the line and there's a lap car, there's a pick in the middle of the road and the leaders go either side of him, it doesn't really get a whole lot better than that. And that follows on from that pass in for the lead in race number one. 
Yeah, the, the Sergeant Wood has got a really good vibe about it for an amazing title fight this year between those two. Uh, Ryan Wood, not very well known here, is incredibly highly rated. Um, doesn't come from a lot of money in New Zealand. I met his dad who was over there, hadn't seen his boy for four months, said, no, no, we let him come over and go testing and do his thing. We didn't want to bother him, just wanted him to focus on it. But um, he's, a, he's a cool kid. Uh, he's got a, he's got a bit of a bit of an attitude, which I love bit of a personality. Um, I, I hadn't had an opportunity to meet him until quite late in the weekend, just with the nature of how busy we were, but, um, he came up and introduced himself and I wanted to come and say good day and, and tell you what I'm doing. And so like, yeah, cool, mate. Really good. But he, he is a superstar and, and a lot of the Kiwis in the Porsche paddock all go, yeah, watch out for him. There's a reason Earl Bamber's grabbed him and, and put him in that car. So He's really exciting. Tom Sargent's one of the most exciting young talents in this part of in Australia. So it, it shapes up. And then um, there, that finish was wild. That was such a cool thing to see. And I feel for Tom because had there been a car width of bitumen on the other side of the garage yeah. one car of Nathan Murray, then he would have it would have been a drag race, dead set. And they would have crossed the line about three wide with lap cars in the middle. But um, I love the fact it took to the grass. I love the fact he initially kept the boot into it. Um, and he lost a race, but I think Tom probably won some fans out of that effort to try and hold on to it. Um, yeah, and then got a win on Sunday, which was a really good return of serve for a pretty challenging Saturday when he, he got beaten twice. So shapes up well. Courtney Prince was awesome. Yeah. She drove mm. really well. Boy, she's I reckon she's making the best starts out of any Porsche category, and that includes Carrera Cup. She can launch those things. Really, for, really impressive. Forever the challenge in motorsport in this country is to find a competitive female driver. Mm. And did we find one there in the weekend? Because that was pretty sporty. Mm. Yeah. Well, people people forget that we had two rounds of sprint challenge last year before it all turned to doo-doos uh, in March, April, whenever it was. And she was third in the championship then as well. Mm. And uh, correction, fourth. And the, the three drivers in front of her are all now in Carrera Cup and all running at the front of the field. So, yeah, I, I think she's... Very, very capable. I know Mick and Maria Rita have got wraps on her driving ability. And, I, yeah, the way she went about it. Most impressive for mine was how she improved over the course of the weekend. So race one, she finished quite a way back. She was third, but I think 10 seconds down the road. But by race three, she was matching the lap times of uh, Ryan Wood and Tom Sargent. So really impressive. But that, that series, boys, is dead set mini Carrera Cup this year. It is both in pro am and in pro. It is so intensely competitive sprint challenge. It's yeah. uh, it's very cool. I watched those S five thousands under lights, and I thought I was watching the Singapore Grand Prix. They were good, small field, yes, and that's disappointing and frustrating. And you know that's the eternal story of wings and slicks racing in Australia. But it was pretty good, and that battle between Joey Mawson and Aaron Cameron on Saturday night was pretty mm. spectacular. Two yeah. really good young drivers that I think we all agree are bound for pretty good things in our sport, having a crack and driving those things as hard as they could be driven, and that's all you can ask for. But then it was the battle for third as well. Was it Macro and Hearn yep. as well, yeah. which was equally as ten- intense on Saturday night? But then the carry-on su- Sunday, that final race with the uh, one mm. out, unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. That was, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I want to be uh, diplomatic, but the cleanup, I, I, it was a lesser of two evils, I think, in terms of it would almost be better of having the oil still down on the racetrack than having yeah. an inch and a half thick of sandblast material. 
because that's what it looked like. I, it was like a, the cars came back from a war zone afterwards. All the wraps been sandblasted off, and oh man, yeah, that was that was insane. And and just enormous credit for those drivers to keep them all pointing in the right direction on that because it looked awful, but um, um, ended up being hell of a race. And it sort of splices into a hot that I've nominated for for the weekend was the TV product. And having some of those external cameras, like on the S5000s, the one on Mawson's car. Mm. Looking uh, back? Looking back. Yeah, Especially cool. that night race, the flames yeah, hanging out of it. Mm. Oh, that was rad. But there was a few new camera angles on the different cars. And there was the one uh, under the front suspension there of the car as well uh, on Nathan Hearn's Trans Am car looking back. You know, that's good quality stuff. From you know, essentially in inverted commas, a second tier um, broadcast. But you had the drones, you had all the gun commentators. Like obviously, you guys who are pros are pro. But Michael Crusoe, I thought he was excellent on the weekend. He was yep. just being Michael Crusoe. He wasn't pretending to be a commentator. He yep. was just being himself, and that's what people love. And he was awesome at it. Yeah, he's good value. He's very good value. And full chops to Robbo and to Moff, but but Robbo as well. Um, was actually angry with us for not crossing to him during the race on Saturday night. It was like, why didn't he come to me? I was having a great time. And um, the Moff cross was excellent. His <laughs> lines were just bang on. It's the job he was meant to do. Yeah, a hundred percent. But um, and full credit to those drivers for and the teams for allowing that to happen. And and it doesn't happen in supercars anymore. Certainly doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. You know, in the states they'll talk to them under caution. Um, you got a copy, but. Um, yeah, it's pretty rare that you talk to drivers under racing conditions mm. and full, full credit to to those guys for allowing that to happen. And, and that will be a regular part of the broadcast moving forward. That is the intention that that will become a staple, especially of TCR, but I, I'd suggest you find it in other categories as well, which will be cool. I want to talk to someone in the middle of a TCM race and uh, critique their oversteer moments at every corner. I think that'd be hilarious. Saddest. McConville would be perfect for that. Yeah, I am. Completely. Like that. Safe in the commentary box. And we'll Give cross us- you right in the middle of the corner now. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a quick wrap on TCM and also uh... Trans Am. Trans Am, yes. Uh, big weekend from a championship context, and they're running out of rounds, so they've only got two to go. Um, big swing, Nathan Hearn at DNF. That cost him massively. Owen Kelly was there to capitalise. So he's looking good. That's great racing, isn't it? It's such a cool category. And Touring Car Masters, I thought they were really good. Probably missed Stevie J, I think, which was a, mm. a shame. And Marcus Sikanovic, who's out injured. But the racing was still really good. John Bow won the weekend. Um, but there was not a dry eye in the house for Cameron Tilly, who won that final race legitimately on pace, on performance, yeah. in the Valiant Pacer. And even JB said, when I got to second place, I couldn't catch him. He was too fast. And that car is the most popular car in Touring Car Masters, which by virtue makes it one of the most popular cars on the support program, the undercard from supercars. Yeah. And um, yeah, Cam's been trying to win one of those things for a very, very, very long time. And I just could not be more pleased for someone yeah. to win a race. So it was a, it was a great story. Two-parter uh, two, two there. Uh, Bowie's win with another last lap pass. That was yes. cool on Saturday. Yep. Yep. But how many clicks did the uh, Cam Tilly win get you? Oh, lots, thousands. <laughs> it was by far and away, much to the chagrin of my um, ARG PR colleague, uh, Grant Rowley, uh, it was by far and away the most engaged post of the weekend and it made exactly zero effort to uh, to post. But uh, a cool story nonetheless. Love it. No doubt. Uh, speaking of cool stories, well, I think 
Monaco sort of had a cool finish. I'm not sure about the uh, the chapters up until that final page, though. There was some uh, weird stuff happening up there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was frustrating. Another frustrating exercise in race management by the FIA, in my opinion. And I tweeted it, and, and I stand by it, that there's a disconnect between the promoter, which is Liberty Media, it's now Formula One, yeah. and the people that go about managing the motorsport side, which is the FIA. And I think it couldn't be more exemplified by what happened a few hours later in Indianapolis. Because in IndyCar, the church and state aren't aren't separated. They're the same thing. The people promoting the series, trying to sell the tickets, trying to sell the sponsors, trying to put on the show, are the same ones running the race. And it could be the same can be said for NASCAR. Whereas as much as they work together and as much as they were unified in developing the new car and introducing all the new regulations, the FIA and Formula One itself are still separate bodies. And the FIA control everything that happens on track. And I think if you were Ross Braun or Stefano Domenicali, who runs Formula One, the, the business side of the sport, you'd be sitting there for that first hour of absolute waftam going, ah, oh, pulling your hair out because it was very frustrating and there was poor information. It was poorly communicated. And if you were sitting there on TV going, what, what on earth is going on? And, and it, it's almost made it worse, boys, that later it's come out that there were some power failures in race control and that was part of the reason they had a delay but that would be the first thing i'd push out not oh we're sitting on our hands because there's a light rain shower coming through yeah because that makes it look silly which it did at the time and it was another spa circumstance from last year so there's a bit to work on there i think but you know when they got racing it was a half decent motor race and a pretty intense finish of ferrari shooting themselves in the foot again and red bull being there to capitalize yep yep agreed 100 percent uh indycar indy 500 their massive race of the year and uh this one had a fair few things to it as well yeah not a good day for the antipodeans was it no. how how are you of scott if you're scott dixon you're you're destined to win that thing he's led more laps in that race than anyone in the history of the event now he's, he should have won and, it four times not once yeah, yeah. He, he sat on the pole five times had that race shot to bits Speeding the pits ball one mile an hour cost himself the win and $2.4 million US mm -hmm. was the gap between what he wound up with and That's what crazy. the winner wound up getting. Yep. How would you be? No wonder he's slightly upset with himself. Yeah, 100%. And That was another story on his house. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Correct. Another wing on the estate. Yeah. But I think you're spot on though, Mark. I think the fact that he has accepted it and blamed himself for the situation it's probably not a, a, a bad thing compared to what may happen in Formula One and others where there'll be so much of the blame game happening about that. Oh, and Scott's pretty decent when it comes to knowing when he's cocked up. And, but yeah. that's that's what it was. The, yeah. no, the only person that control your entry into pit lane is the, the driver behind the wheel. So, you know, he's he's owned it. He's been around long enough to, to do that. But... Lots of stories to come out of it. Uh, our bloke had a, a shunt with a couple of laps to go, which was a shame for Scotty. So that, that was unfortunate. Will Power, Penske cars were a bit anonymous. Mm. In fact, Scott was the fastest of all the Penske cars up to that point, the leading Penske car. So that was frustrating for them. But um, cool finish. Um, they made the right call to fly the red flag with that late crash. Um, and it set up a really good battle with Marcus Ericsson and Pato Award having a, a really good scrap into turn one with a lap to go. Um, the right bloke won, 
out of that. I think Ericsson was so strong in that last stint when he got that track position. So deserved to win it. Huge result for uh, for Sweden and the first um, Swedish driver to win since Kenny Brack. Um, loved it. Fantastic. Two, Great result. Two things. The pay driver won. There's mm. been a bit of chat about that afterwards. He, mm. He's there. He's a legit pay driver. Clearly super talented. You don't do nearly 100 Grand Prix and yeah. you know not have talent. But uh, that's the funny little side story there within that Chip Ganassi squad. But then the the Pato Award, like, what a cool cat! Did you see his TikTok that went viral? Yes, from the Would You Rather's that he did before the race. That was so cool. But yeah, and that sort of thing that's been really endearing a, a lot of people to the whole IndyCar cause lately is that okay, it's cool racing and all that, but the the drivers actually cool. It's almost mm. like they need a drive to survive sort of thing to to let more people know about it. Mm. Yep. Every year we have the Indy 500. We have the Charlotte race straight after it in NASCAR. And uh, as you said, Mark, this one took yeah. a hell of a long time to finish. Five hours and 16 minutes. So That's crazy. Pretty long. Nine, 619 miles, the longest NASCAR race in history. The problem was it was a decent race for, for World 600 standards. It was actually a good race. And the new car put on uh, some interesting stuff. There was a fair bit of carnage and carry on. Uh, throughout and it, it all came to a point with a really cool finish where you had chase briscoe all over um larson and the closing laps and briscoe fenced himself so mm. there's a green white checker and then denny hamlin came through for the win mm. to essentially take uh you know all the crown jewels are now in his collection three um daytona 500 say darlington southern 500 and now a charlotte 600 so old denny keeps racking up trophies but um Good race, but bloody long. So it's that, too long. Uh, <laughs> and that's the whole point of it. It was the the wheelers back in the day were like, well, we Indianapolis has a five hundred. We've got to do something bigger than a five hundred. Yeah, it's yeah. a six hundred. Yeah, oh, just call it a Cup Series six hour and be done with it. Seriously, yeah, no, it's well, shorter than Bathurst. It's one hundred percent made much. sure. That, <laughs> it's one hundred percent made sure that no one jumps in a plane after the Indy five hundred and goes down to. Charlotte to race like no, they used to. They, they'd the do days. it. Like I, there was talk about who would possibly do it. And well, I think Bush the, did the, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Mm. And the organizing bodies would work together if somebody oh, yeah. was going to do it. They would definitely work together on their timings and whatnot. 100%. Yeah. I, I, and look, Penske's put the prize money up for the 500 as well. So record prize pool this year and more than $3 million to the winner. So I think. Um, yeah, it's uh, that will entice more of those NASCAR guys to come over. In fact, I think it was Denny Hamlin who tweeted who who's responsible for it, and I think Jenna Fryer from AAP said Penske, and he was like, "No, it's good. You know, big big money will attract the big drivers, so they they still race for cash over there. So, yeah, why not? It's pretty. Speaking cool of big drivers and big names, did I read that Kimi Räikkönen's joining NASCAR? He is. He's going back to NASCAR. He's graduating from the truck series. <laughs> he graduated back to Formula One. <laughs> well, That's he's, he's joining one of the top teams. He, he'll be at um, Watkins Glen with Trackhouse, who uh, won a couple of races this year, including on the road course at Coda. So decent team. And um, it'll be a challenge for, for Kimi going to a stock car like that on a road course, something completely different. Don't expect the world from him. You know, you look at what Jacques has managed to do over the years when he's had his ringer runs. Um, yeah, don't expect too much. But uh, it's cool that that team, it's part owned by Pitbull, the uh, rapper. So they're all about the marketing and that side of things. So if they uh, have the opportunity to put some superstars in there, they're going to do that in future. 
Do you know what I would love? I would love dearly for Kimmy to win that race and th- not give a shit. I thought you were going to say I'd love Kimmy to put out a rap song. <laughs> no, well, that too. Jeez. But can you, like, you know, the, the NASCAR drivers, they have these amazing celebrations and all that, and Kimmy Räikkönen winning a NASCAR race would just be the most – I'd love to see the Yanks get their head around that and yeah, how just, the, just how to deal with it because I think it would be hilarious. The post-race goes – Yes, yeah, you know. My favourite Watkins Glen one was when Ambrose won the uh, race in 2011, did a big skid, and ESPN used to have the Battle of the Burnouts every week on their midweek mm. NASCAR. It was a daily NASCAR show back in the day, whichever one it was. And they had the Battle of the Burnouts, and we rigged it so hard. We had everyone in Australia voting for it. It <laughs> won five weekends, well, five <laughs> weeks in a row until they just had to end the segment because Ambrose just kept smoking everyone. It was so good. That's great. Yeah, Memories. Uh, Newburgring. Yeah, it turns out um, a bit of fog and sleet in the early hours of the Bathurst 12 hour. Good preparation <laughs> for winning and the Nordschleifer because uh, our boy Kelvin Vanderlinda got up. How about brotherly love or oh, hate? How Vandal. good was oh, that? That was man. insane. And the fact that Lawrence came out afterwards on Instagram and said, I didn't back out because it was my brother. My like, brain exploded, and oh I regret that immensely. <laughs> In the early hours of the Nebergring twenty-four hour, that was extraordinary. Um, I've met I've met both of those two dudes, Lawrence and Drees. Drees won the twelve-hour in twenty eighteen. Lawrence won pole in fifteen, and on the podium twice. Amazing race car drivers, both pretty intense cats, though. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, wow. Porsche had an absolute shocker. Yep. They stacked the field there. But uh, they had absolutely no luck at all, including our boys, Matt Campbell and Jackson Evans. Apparently, the Falcon tyres were not good because uh, it's open tyre at that race. And um, the Falcons were five or six seconds a lap slower than the um, than the Michelins and the Pirellis in the field, um, which sounds like a lot. And But, I mean, it's a long lap. But even on a long lap, it's still um, a decent margin. So... Yeah, but Audi get the win. Amazing for uh, for that brand, and they're having a pretty uh, decent season. Probably makes up a bit for um, shooting themselves in the foot at Mount Panorama, and in the way that they did. So huge win for uh, for the R eights, and and Vanderlinda did a lot of the anchoring of that driving at the end there, and won his second twenty four hour, which was really cool to see. We had really good coverage in Australia, actually, with our mm. friends' radio show limited commentary and all the pictures beamed in there to be in sports. So. Uh, Huge weekend on the yeah. box. My goodness, there was so much to watch. And I'm tipping that the people at Porsche weren't calling them Falcon Tires. There may have been another similar name True. that they True. I, just to repeat, I was saying the brand Falcon Tires. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, Appreciate that. Uh, boys, just before we go, a final mm-hmm. one I'm going to throw at you just for a comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, this week here in Australia, we saw three generations uh, driving out on Queensland Raceway on Monday. Dick Johnson, Steve Johnson, and Jet Johnson, grandfather, father, and son out there. An amazing thing. It was lovely to watch and all that stuff. Is Jet Johnson a shoo-in for supercars, do we believe, or is it something he's going to have to work really hard to get? Oh, that's he'll, a tough one. He'll have to work at it. He'll have to mm. prove himself. He's, mm. There's no point just uh, putting a kid in there because he's got no. a surname, but Correct. I think he's moving in the right direction. Like He's definitely improving. He's still very young. Um, but he'll have to go th- start winning some Trans Am races or many years yeah. at the lower the lower 
spec series, but TR2, uh, mm, TR2 win some uh, national ones, uh, getting getting up into Super 2 and Super 3 and go from there. He'll have to still learn the ropes, but uh, I'm impressed with how far he's come, especially you know where he started there in high-end IXLs not very long ago. Yeah, true. What, what he said. Yeah, no, and he definitely drives at DJR, doesn't he? He doesn't drive anywhere else. No, you never oh, know. Well, well, maybe he does. Mm-hmm. I, I just probably want to Stevie J's. The, the the bleeps in his career and that he could have gone and driven elsewhere and it might have been absolutely Better, what he yeah. needed. Yeah, yeah. So it, um, it was very cool to see, though. And oh, it was. It was great. Well done to DJR and, and Ryan Story for organising that. I noticed the doctor had uh, a bit of a skid himself, which was great. Do you great. think there was an ulterior motive to that whole setup? Oh, it's like, we're going to do this rad thing, but by the way. P.S. I'm going to have a steer. Well, I mean, he owns the team, <laughs> so he's probably allowed. But yeah. it was very nicely done. And, um, and I can only imagine that how how Jilly was feeling while that was happening as well. And yes, um, not the least Stevie's wife, but um, yeah, very cool moment and uh, amazing to get three generations of, of probably the most famous racing surname in, in the sport at the moment uh, out and about, which was uh, very nicely done. Yeah. And also great to uh, hear that the doc is uh, feeling a lot better than what he has yes. been for the yes. past few months. Too, so. so good to see him well enough to drive a supercar, which yeah, is excellent. Correct. Boys, that's it. Came back on the show actually, and uh, also offered up his brilliant contributions to the power rankings, which were good. Exactly, where are they gone? I know, I know, we've missed them. Just automatic hot. Uh, Thanks, of course, to Doric for their support of the rankings and the show. Yep, correct. Uh, Catch you next week. Well done. Do you know what? Do you know what happens next week? What? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) We've come out of the most ridiculous, intense, busy period of the sport. And huge, you know, we went Perth and there was a week off. Then it was 12-hour Winton Speed Series, plus all the other stuff going on. Next weekend, diddly squat. Can no MotoGP, some... no Superbikes, no nothing? Well, there probably is, but locally, well, there's what no are we Formula gonna... 1. They get a week off. What are we going to get you to commentate? Oh, I'm going to go and commentate my fake grass growing in my backyard or something like that, Sweet. I think. I'm going to have to. I don't want to stop the form. <laughs> uh, we uh, we might have to come up with something for next week's show. Then maybe another, maybe uh, our first top five for the year. We'd I'd be up for a top five. We haven't done a top five in a long time. Uh, if mm. you've got a top five, T- top five something. Richards Richards commentary calls of twenty twenty two. No, no, no. Be hard to pick. It would be. That's a, it'd be a hard thing to rank. I was just trying to think of which ones I'd nominate. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. (laughs) Very, very silly. And what if one doesn't just go straight to the top? No one cares about what I waffle on about. But if you've got a top five scenario, so five favourite, top five, one, two, three, four, five, um, something, suggestion, hit us up on our socials at The Race Talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what you would like us to offer our opinions on and we'll get Dale in and we might get hashtag Doric Guy in and... um, We'll throw some uh, throw some options out there. I just also very likely, uh, very quickly like to acknowledge my good mate Jack Perkins, uh, and head to the Perkins Engineering website and buy one of their truckers caps because they're brilliant. Cool. Okay. Are you wearing one right now? I Richard? am wearing one right. Yeah, now. It is. Right, I know. This is not paid product promotion, but uh, I'd like just to give uh, Jacko a pat on the back, and uh, they're doing nice things. And check out the Perkins Engineering YouTube channel while you're at it. Hmm. Okay, boys. Catch you next week. Bye for now. See See ya. And thank you for joining us right here on The Grid.